Okay, here I am with book, or chapter two of The Odyssey. Telemachus set sail. When young Dawn with her rose-red fingers shone once more, the true son of Odysseus sprang from her bed and dressed. Over his shoulder he slung his well-honed sword, fastened raw hide sandals under his smooth feet, and stepped from his bedroom, handsome as a god. Once he ordered heralds to cry out loud and clear, and some of the flowing hair achings to fill assembly. Their cries rang out, the people filled in quickly. When they'd grouped, crowding in the meeting grounds, Telemachus strode in two. A bronze spear in his grip, and not alone, two sleek hounds went trotting at his heels. And Athena lavished marvelous splendor on the prince, so that he will all gaze in wonder as he came forward. The elders making way as he took his father's seat. The first to speak was an old lord, a... Uh, Aggie. Where's the glossary? Or pronunciation guide, whatever. There we go. A E G Y. Egyptious. Okay. Well, first to speak was an old old lord, Egyptious. Stooped with age, who knew the world by heart. For one dear son had sailed with King Odysseus, bound in hollow ships to the Stallion land of Troy, and spearman Antiphus. But the brutal Cyclops killed him, trapped in his vaulted cave. The last man the monster ate. Three other sons he had. One who mixed with the suitors. Urim... Curse you, ancient Greek. Okay. That's one begins with an E. Okay, I'm just gonna go with Yuri Namas. And, and two kept working on their father's farms. But he never forgot the soldier, desolate in his grief. In tears for the son he lost, he rose and said among them, Hear me, men of Ithaca. Hear what I have to say. Not once have we held assembly, set in session since King Odysseus sailed away in the hollow ships. Who has summoned us now? One of the young men? One of the old-timers? But Chrysus spurs him on. Some news he's heard of an army on the march? Word he's caught firsthand so he can warn us now? Or some other public matter he'll disclose and argue? He's a brave man, I'd say. God be with him, too. May Zeus speed him on to a happy end, whatever his heart desires. Winning words with lucky ring, Odysseus' son rejoiced. The boy could sit no longer. Fired up to speak, he took his stand among the gathering men. The herald passed... Okay, if I mispronounce this, you're just gonna have to deal with it. Also, sorry in advance for all the words I'm going to mispronounce on accident. Pisonor, skilled in customs ways. Okay, I should probably restart that sentence because you've probably forgotten it. The herald Pisonor, skilled in customs ways, put the staff in his hand, and then the prince addressed, uh, addressing old Aegyptus uh, first, led off with, Sir, that man is not far off. You'll soon see for yourself. I was the one who called us all together. 
Something wounds me deeply. Not news that I heard of an army on the march. Word I've got firsthand so I can warn you now. Or some other public matter I'll disclose and argue. No, the crisis is my own. Trouble has struck my house. A double blow. First, I have lost my noble father, who ruled among you years ago. Each of you are here. As kindly as a father to his children. And now this. A worse disaster that will soon grind my house down. Ruin it all. And all my worldly goods in the bargain. Suitors plague my mother against her will. Son of the very men who are your finest here. They'd sooner die than approach her father's house, so Icarus himself might see to my see to uh, So Icarus him Icarius himself might see to his daughter's bridal. Hand her to whom he likes, whoever meets his fancy. Not they. They infest our palace day and night. They butcher our cattle, our sheep, our fat goats. Feasting themselves sick, swilling all our glowing wine, as if there's no tomorrow, all of it squandered. Now we have no men like Odysseus in command to drive the scars from the house. We ourselves were hardly the ones to fight them off. All we do is parade our wretched weakness. A boy in a battle, oh, I'd swing to attack if I had the power in me. My god, it's intolerable what they do. Disgrace, my house is shambles. You should be ashamed of yourself, mortifying the face of neighbors living round about. Fear the gods' wrath, before they wheel in outrage and make these crimes recoil on your hands. I beg you by Olympian Zeus, by Themis, too, who sets assemblies free and calls us into session. Stop, my friends. Leave me alone to pine away in anguish. Unless, of course, you think my noble father Odysseus did the Achaean army damage, deliberate harm. And to pay me back, you'd do me harm, deliberately setting these parasites against me. Better for me if you were devouring all my treasure, all my cattle, if you were the ones we'd make amends in no time. We'd approach your repara reparations around the town, demanding our goods till you'd return the lot. But now, look, you load my heart with grief. There's nothing I can do. Filled with anger, down on the ground he dashed the speaker's scepter, bursting into tears. Pity seized the assembly. Okay. Random advice here. This this is me, not the book. Okay, so, if you're trying to scare people into helping you, crying is not a good option. At least I think he's trying to scare them into it. He's like, oh, fear the wrath of the gods, and then burst into tears. It doesn't work. I mean, they're, they feel bad for him. If you don't want people to feel bad for you, then don't cry immediately after your speech. At least, not in public. If you're fine with however they think of you, go ahead. You be you. But if you're trying to scare them, don't burst into tears. It kind of limits the scariness. Okay, on with the story. All just sat there, silent, no had the heart. No one had the heart to reply with harshness. Only Ant Antinous, who found it himself to say, "So high and mighty, Telenius, such an unbridled rage." Well, now, fling your accusations at us. Think to pin the blame on us. You think again. It's not the suitors here who deserve the blame. It's your own dear mother, the matchless queen of Cadania. Look here, for years now, going for three years now, going on four. She's played fast and loose with all our hearts, building each man's hopes, dangling promises, dropping hints to each. But all the while, with something else in mind. This was her latest masterpiece of guile. 
Well, she set up a great loom in the royal halls and began to weave the weaving fine spun the yarn endless and she would lead us on young men my suitors now that king Odysseus is no more go slowly king as you are to marry me until i can finish off this web so my weaving won't fray and come to nothing this is a shroud for our lord Laertes, for the days and the deadly face fate that lays us this out will come will take him down I dread the shame my countrymen woman would heap upon me. Yes, if such wealth man should, of such wealth should lie in state with, without shr a shroud for cover. Her very words, despite her pride and passion, and despite her pride and passion, we believed her. So by day she'd weave her great and glowing web, and by night, by the light of torches set beside her, she would unravel all she'd done. Three whole years she deceived us blind, seduced us with a scene. Then, when the wheeling seasons brought the fourth year on, one of her own, and on the queen's secret, told the truth, and we caught her in the act, and weaving her gorgeous web. So she finished it off, against her will. We forced her. Now, Telemachus, here is how the suitors answer you. You burn it in your mind, you and all our people. Send your mother back! Direct her to marry whoever your father picks, whoever pleases her. So long as she persists in tormenting us... Quick to exploit the gifts Athena give her, gave her. A sealed hand for elegant work, a fine mind, and simple laws, too. We've never heard the like, not even in the old stories sing of Achaea's well-coiffed queens who graced the years gone by. Mycenae crowned with garlands, Tyro and Il Alcmena. No one could equal Penelope for intrigue, but in this case she intrigued beyond all limits. So, we will devour your godly works and well... So we will devour your godly good. So we will devour your worldly goods and wealth as long as she holds out, holds to that course. The gods have turned deep inside her heart. Great renown she wants for herself, no doubt. Great loss for you and your in tre treasure. We'll not go back to our old estates or leave for other parts. Not until she wins the archive man she fancies. But with calm good sense, Telemachus replied, Anto Antina. How can I drive my mother from our house against her will? The one who bore me, reared me too. My father is worlds away, dead or alive. Who knows? Imagine the high price I'd have to pay Icarus if all on my own I send my mother home. Oh, what I would suffer from my father. And some dark god would hurt me even more when my mother, leaving her own house for him, calls down her weathering furies on my head, and our people's cries of shame would hound my heels. I will never issue that old tenium to my mother, and, and you, if you have any shame in your hearts, you must leave my palace, see to your feasting elsewhere, devour your own possessions, house to house by turns, but if you decide the fare is better, richer here, storing one man's goods and going scot-free, all right then, carve away, but I'll cry out to the everlasting gods in hopes that Zeus will pay you back with vengeance, all of you destroyed in my house while I go scot-free myself. And to seal his prayer, far-seeing Zeus sent down a sign. He launched two eagles, soaring high from the mountain ridge, and gently glided, borne on one's draft for a moment, wing-tip to wing-tip, up in shining taunt, till just above the assembly, stopping hum, they whirled. Suddenly, wings thrashing, wild on slow wings, and, and banking down on the crowd's head, glaring, a glaring, fatal sign, the talons swoop, the talons, Talons slashing each other, tearing cheeks and throats, they swooped away and ran through homes and city. 
All more done start watching the eagle's tail from sight, people brooding deeply what might come to pass. Until the old warrior Halther Hal Halithersis. Until the old warrior Halithersis, master's son, broke the silence for them. The one who outperformed all men of his time at reading bird signs, sounding out the omens, rose and spoke, distraught for each man there. Hear me, men of Ithaca. Hear what I have to say. But my revelation strikes the suitors first of all. A great disaster is rolling like a breaker towards their heads. Clearly Odysseus won't be far from loved ones any longer. Now, right now, he's somewhere near, I tell you. Breeding bloody death for all these suitors here. Pains aplenty, too, for the rest of us who live in Ithaca's sunlit air. Long before that, we must put our heads together. Find some way to stop these men, or let them stop themselves. Better for them that way, by far. I myself am no stranger to prophecy. I can see it now. Odysseus, all is working out for him, I say. Just as I said it would in the day our guys sailed for Troy and the mastermind in battle boarded with them. And then I said after many blows and all the shipmates lost, after twenty years of wheeled by, he would come home, unrecognized by all. And now look, it all comes to pass. Stop, old man. Yuri Magus Polybus's son rose up to take him on. Go home and babble your omens to your children. Save them from a catastrophe coming soon. I'm a better hand at you than reading portents, flocks of birds fluttering under the sun rays. Not all are fraught with meaning, Odysseus. Meaning? Ah. Flocks of birds go fluttering under the sun rays. Not all are fraught with meaning. Odysseus, he's dead now. Far from home. Would to God that you dined with him too. He never escaped from drawing prophecies then. And the wave loose the dogs with this boy's anger. Your eyes peeled for a house gift he might give you. Here's my prophecy, bound to come to pass. If you, you old culture, wise as the ages, <sighs> talk him round and cite the boy to riot, he'll be the first to suffer, let me tell you. And you, old man, will clap some fine on you. You'll weep to pay a fine to crush your spirit. Tell him, Akis, here in front of you. Here's my advice for him. Let him ride his mother back to her father's house. Her kin will arrange the wedding, provide the gifts. The array that goes with a daughter dearly loved. Not till then, I say, will the island princes quit their tax and courtship. Who's like a fear, I ask you. Surely not till I guess, with all his tiresome threats. Nor do we balk, old man, at the prophecies you mouth. They'll come to grief, they'll make us hate you more. The prince's wealth will be devoured as always. Mercilessly. No reparations, ever. Not while the queen drags out our hopes to wed her. Waiting day after day, all of us striving hard to win one matchless beauty, never courting others, who lives with the bride since each noble here. Telemachus answered, firm in his resolve. Wonderful. Eurymachus, the rest of you, fine brazen suitors, uh, suitors. I have done with appeals to you about these matters. I'll say no more. The gods know such how things stand, and so do all the Achaeans. And now all I ask is a good swift ship and a crew of twenty men to speed me through my passage out and back. I'm sailing off to Sparta, Sandy Pylos too, for news of my long-lost father's journey home. Someone may tell me something, or might catch a rumor straight from Zeus, rumor that carries news to men like nothing else. 
Now, if I hear my father's alive and heading home, hard-pressed as I am, I'll brave it out one more year. If I hear he's dead, no longer among the living, then I'll come back to the native land I love, raise his graveman, build his honors high, and at the full funeral lights he deserves, and give my mother to another husband. A declaration, and the prince sat down as mentor took the floor, Odysseus's friend in arms, to whom the king, sailing off to Troy, committed his household, ordering all, one and all to obey the old man, and he would keep things steadfast and secure. With deep concern for the realm, he rose and warned, Hear me, men of Ithaca, hear what I have to say. Never let any scepter king be kind and gentle now. Not with all his heart or his mind done justice. No, let him be cruel and always practice outrage. Think not, I think, not one of the people whom, ruled, whom he ruled remembers Odysseus now, that godlike man. As kindly as a father to his children. I don't grudge these arrogant suitors for a moment, weaving their violent work with all their wicked hearts. They lay, the, they lay their lives on the line when they consume Odysseus's worldly goods, blind in their violence, telling themselves that he'll come home no more. But all the rest of you, how you arouse my fury, sitting here in silence, never a word put forth to curb these suitors, paltry few as they are, and you so many. Mentor! You, you know, son. Leocritus ran on him, shouting, Rabble-rousing! Fool, what's all this talk? Goading them to try and hold us back? It's uphill work, I warn you, finding a force like ours for just a meal. Even if Odysseus of Ithaca did arrive in person to find his well-bred suitors feasting in his halls, the man, the man were hell-bent on rounding us from the palace. Little joy was his wife derived from his return for all her yearning. Here on the spot, he'd meet an humiliating end if he felt against such odds. You're talking nonsense, idiocy. No more. Come, dissolve the assembly. Each man must return to his holdings. Mentor and Heliarthus can speed our young prince on. And his father's daughtering prince since time began. He'll set time for a long while, I trust, scrabbling for news right here in Ithaca. He'll never make that trip. This broke up the assembly. Came to leave, the people scattered quickly, each to his own house, while the suitors strolled back to King Odysseus' palace. Telemachus, watching the beach now, far from others, washed his hands on the foaming surf, and prayed to Pallas. Dear God, hear me. Yesterday you came to my house. You told me to ship out on the misty sea and learn a father, gone so long as ever coming home. Look at my countrymen, the suitors must have all looked from Messias bully, bullies, foil each move I make. Athena came to his prayer close at hand, for all the world with mentors build and voice. And she urged him on with the winging words, Telemachus, you'll lack neither courage nor sense from this day on, not if your spirits father courses through your veins. Now there was a man, I'd say, and words and action both. So how can your journey end in shipwreck or defeat? Only if you were not his stock, Penelope's too, then I'd fear your hopes would might come to grief. Few sons are equals of their fathers, must most fall short, all too few surpass them. But you, brave and adept from this day on, Odysseus Covening has hardly given out in you. There's every hope that you will reach your goal. Put them out of your mind, these suitors' schemes and plots. They are madmen, not a shred of sense or decency in the crowd. Nor can they glimpse the death and black doom hovering out there has to crush them all in one short day. 
But you, the journey that stirs you now is not far off. Not with Elias and me, your father's friend and yours, to rake you a swift ship and to be your shipmate too. Now home you go and mix with the suitors there, Get your, but get your rations ready. Pack them all in vessels, in wine and jar. The wine and jars and barley meal, the marrow, men's bones, and durable skins will make rounds in town and quickly enlist your crew of volunteers. Also ships in Seager, Ithaca, old and new. I'll take them over, choose the best in sight. We'll put her out and launch her into the sea at once. And so Athena, daughter of Zeus, assured him. No lingering now, he heard the gods' voice. But he went to his house with an aching heart. And there at the palace, he found the brass and suitors skinning goats in the courtyard, singing, singeing pigs for roasting. And in the, in the smiling warmly, sauntered up to the prince, grasped his hands and coaxed him, saving his hand. Telemachus, my high and mighty, fierce young friend. No more nursing those violent words and actions now. Come, eat and drink with us, just like the old days, and whatever you want, our people will provide. A ship and a pick crew to speed you to Holy Pilos, through the news, the news of your noble father. But self-possessed Telemachus drew the line, and Tinoas, now how could I dine with you in peace and take my pleasure? Your ruffians carousing here. Isn't it quite enough that you, my mother's suitors, have ravaged it all, my very best these many years, while I was still a boy? But now I am full grown, and can hear the truth from others, absorb it too. Now, yes, that anger seethes inside me. Stop at nothing to destroy, uh, hurl destruction at your heads. Whether I go to Pilas or sit tight here at home, but the trip I speak of will not end in failure. Go I will, as a passenger, nothing more, since I don't seem to command my own crew. That, I'm sure, is the way that suits you best. With this, he nonchalantly drew his hand from and Anos's hand, while the suitors, busy feasting in the halls, mocked and taunted him, flinging insults now. God help us, one young bug kept shouting. He wants to slaughter us all. He's off to Sandy Pylos to hire cutthroats, even Sparta, perhaps, so hot to have our heads. My, he drove as far as F. Fyrus, dark, rich soil, He'd run back home with lethal poison, slip him a bowl of wine, and wipe us out with drink. Who knows? Another young blade up and ventured. Off in that whole ship he is, he might just he just might drown. Far from his friends, a drifter like his father. What a bore. He double or work for us, fling out his goods, parceling out his house. To his mother and the man who weds the queen. So they scoffed, but Telemachus headed down to his father's storeroom. Broad and Wilton piled high with golden bronze, chests packed with clothing, vats of redolent oil. And there, standing in close ranks against the wall, were jars of seasoned mellow wine, holding the drink unmixed inside of them, fit for God, waiting the day Odysseus, worn by hardship, might come home again. Doors snugly fitted, double, doubly hung, were bolted shut, and a housekeeper was in charge by night and day, her care, her vigilance, guarding all these treasures. Yuri Clea, the daughter of Ops, Pisonor's son, Telemachus called her into the storeroom. Come, nurse. Draw me off some wine and smaller traveling jars. Mellow, the first vintage you've been keeping. Next to what you reserve for our unlucky king, in case Odysseus might drop in from the blue and cheat the deadly spirits, make it home. Fill me an even dozen, seal them tightly. Pour me barley in well-stitched leather bags. Twenty measures of meal, your stone grand best. But no one else must know. 
these rations now. I'll put them together. I'll pick them up myself towards evening, just about the time that Mother climbs to her room and thinks of turning in. I'm sailing off to Sparta, Sandy Palace too, for news of my dear father's journey home. Perhaps will come some rumor. A wail of grief. His fondled nurse burst out in protest, sobbing. Why, dear child, what craziness got into your heart? Why bent on rambling over the face of the earth? A darling only son, your father's worlds away, God's own Odysseus, dead in some strange land. And these brutes here, just wait, the moment you're gone, they'll be scheming against you, kill you by guile, they will, and carve your birthright up in pieces. No, stay here, guard your own things here. Don't go roving over the barren salt sea. No need to suffer so. Courage, old woman, thoughtful Telemachus tried to reassure. There is a god who made this man. But swear you won't say anything to my mother. Not until ten or a dozen days have passed, or she misses me herself and learns I'm gone. She mustn't mar her lovely face with tears. And the old one swore, an, swore, an, swore a solemn oath to the gods, and vowing to never breathe the word, quickly drew off wine and two uh, eared jars and poured barley in well-stitched leather bags. Telemachus returned to the hall and joined the suitors. Then bright-eyed Pallas led him one more step. The sky as a prince. The goddess roamed through town, pausing both sides, each likely crewman, giving orders. Gather besides our ship at nightfall. Be there. She asked no man, Phronius' generous son, to lend her a ship. He gladly volunteered. The sun sank, and the roads of the world grew dark. Now the goddess hauled the swift ship down to the water, stowed in her all the tackle well-rigged vessels carry, moored her well away at the harbor's very mouth, and once the crew had gathered, rallying round, she heartened every man. Then bright-eyed Pallas thought of one last thing. Back she went to King Odysseus' halls, and there she showered sweet oblivion over the suitors, dazing them as they drank, knocking cups from hands. No more loitering now, their eyes weighed down with sleep. They rose and groped through town to find their beds, but calling upon the prince outside his timbered halls, taking the build and voice of mentor once again, flashing-eyed Athena urged him on. Telemachus, your comrades at arms are ready at the oars, waiting for your command to launch. So come, on with our voyage now. We're wasting time. And Pallas Athena sped away in the lead as he followed her in her footsteps, man and goddess. Once they reached the ship at the water's edge, they found their long-haired shipmates on the beach. The prince inspired gave his first commands. Come, friends, get the rations aboard. They're piled in the palace now. My mother knows nothing of this, no servants either. Only one has heard our plan. He led them back, and the men fell in and fetched down all the stores and stowed them briskly, deep in the well-ordered holds as Odysseus' son directed. Telemachus climbed aboard. Athena led the way, assuming the pilot's seat. He reserved a stern and sat close beside her. Cables cast off. The crew swung to the oarlocks. Bright-eyed Athena sent them a stiff following wind rippling out of the west. It ruffled over the wine-dark sea as Telemachus shouted out commands to all his shipmates. All hands to tackle! They sprang to orders. Hoisting the pinewood mast, they st stepped it firm and its lock amidships, lashed it fast with stays and braided rawhide hull. Here's home the white stale high. 
Suddenly, wind hit the full can, hit full on the canvas, bellied up, and a dark blue wave, foaming up of the bow, sang out loud and strong as the ship made away, skimming the white caps, cutting to her goal. All running gear secure in the swift black craft. They set up bulls and brimmed them high with wine and poured out lib libations out to the everlasting gods who will never die. To Athena, first of all, the daughter of Zeus with flashing sea gray eyes, and the ship went plunging all night long and through the dawn. So, thus ends book two. Telemachus sets sail. And it ends with Telemachus, in fact, setting sail. Um, yeah. Bet you didn't see that coming. Yeah, you you totally saw that coming, right? Right? <laughs> okay, so... Telemachus is off running around to find his dad now. And Athena is disguised as Mentor, who is... Telemachus's mentor and his unironically named mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's where the word mentor came from. So, thus concludes chapter two. Bye!